This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Mobile hunters, the king of comfort has arrived. Go to tetherednation.com and check out the new Lockdown Saddle. Over the past two years, Tethered has tested and refined a new approach to their saddle lineup. The Lockdown Saddle takes the best-in-class features from the Phantom, like the Utilibridge, Comfort Channels, and included an expandable saddle body with their Lockdown Link construction to take saddle hunting to the next level of comfort. As if this wasn't enough, they developed Lockdown Haulers, which has a slightly rigid internal frame structure, so you can easily unzip, zip, and access haulers with one hand. And if you're a guy like me with no junk in your trunk and have issues with your saddle staying put while you're walking in to hunt, the Lockdown Modular Yoke solves this problem. Whether you're new to saddle hunting or an old tree climbing veteran, go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting gear. Welcome to the Truth From Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 351. Today I'm joined by my good buddy, Chris Derrick from Sitka Gear, so stay tuned. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you are doing well. Hope you are feeling fine on this whatever the hell day it is of August. All I know is that I am like T minus, I think two weeks, uh, roughly a little bit more. I guess. I guess. I guess three weeks until my uh, until my season opens up. So I am uh, I'm pretty stoked. I have a probably have to do a trail camera pool sometime this week, at least locally, uh, since I open up on the, uh, 16th in my area of, of September. So in that, and I'm out of town, I'm, I've got some, not out of town necessarily. Well, well, the one weekend I am, I, um, my daughter's birthday, I missed it last year cause I'm a, I'm a dick and <laughs> I was elk hunting over her birthday. And, uh, that was a poor form on my part. So this year I am home for her birthday. And so we have a kind of family gathering, if you will, for her birthday, the one weekend. And then the weekend of September 10th, uh, 
I'll be taking my daughter for her birthday. It's her birthday gift that she wanted. I'm taking her to the Steeler home opener against the 49ers. So that weekend's going to be she and I hanging out, probably going back to visit my dad for a little bit. And then she and I taking off for, pains me to even say Akershore Stadium. It's like, doesn't sound right. I'm still going to call it Heinz Field. So we're going to go to Heinz Field and see the opener against the 49ers. So that weekend's kind of out to do any real kind of um, work. In the Deerwoods, uh, I did get out last weekend, pulled a camera, nothing crazy on it. Was mainly kind of, you know, checking that one camera. And then also, it's also in an area that had been stolen in the past. So I just wanted to check to make sure it was still there. And it was. Um, it doesn't turn on usually till later in the year. There's some does on it and stuff like that, but no, no, you know, no bucks to speak of um, at, the, at this point. But it is good whenever you get into like that middle of October kind of time frame. And there are a few... Uh, uh, white oaks that are producing in that area. So fingers crossed that um, it kind of have a repeat maybe uh, experience that I had there, I guess, two years ago, uh, whenever I had a good encounter with a couple a uh, couple different bucks. But this week, I'm going to have to try to find some time uh, to get out, you know, maybe the, in the morning before work um, and go check a couple cameras that are local um, uh, just to kind of get a sense of, you know, what's happening before the season kind of, uh, season kind of starts. So this year, I think my motto is going to be, um, when I have good Intel, I'm just going to kind of rip in and try to take care of business. Uh, I'm not going to tiptoe through the tulips too much this year. I don't think going to be a little bit more aggressive than maybe I've been in years past. Uh, reason being is cause you know, I leave, you know, end of October, beginning of November every year. And so I really have that month of October to try to get something done. Still haven't made it to the North piece to check cameras yet. That'll probably be sometime during the course of that early part of uh or mid September after my local season kind of comes in if I get a weekend where the weather isn't great or whatever the case is I'll probably just shoot up there and check some cameras I kind of know what the game plan is for that area just in you know generally speaking um but definitely want to get a sense of you know um a tab you know tabs on a few different deer I do have a cell camera up there that has been doing some work for me and a couple you know a buddy of mine also has a cell camera or two in some areas that we've been hunting together. And so I have some inventory for one particular area um, and kind of know what's going down. And I know how I would hunt it. Um, you know, all things being considered, you know, getting the right wind, et cetera, et cetera. The one area that I didn't hunt at all last year, but have a bunch of really good deer in that area, I've not hunted that before. And so that's the one that I really need to kind of check cameras and and get a sense of what's going on. Uh, Cause that is kind of fresh freshy fresh, you know, new to me, uh, this year, as far as hunting it, I'm, I'm familiar with it cause I've scouted it, you know, I guess three different seasons now and hung cameras on it. This will be the third year. Uh, so I know a little bit about it, but I've not, um, you know, officially hunted it. So I'll need to get up there at some point and do one kind of last run through check cameras and start to make a, uh, game plan. Cause that October opener or end of September, beginning of October opener is going to be here, uh, before we know it. And then the other piece of Good news, bad news, however we want to, however, I guess I want to uh, internalize this, but I finally got, you know, was able to shoot my bow this weekend. So the the good news was, is I finally figured out what was going on with my shoulder and, uh, and I have a plan to kind of get it fixed. The bad news is, is it's going to take a while um, before it's kind of back up to, you know, par, I guess, or where I was before and having the strength and being completely pain-free and stuff like that. So I separated uh, my AC joint or have an AC joint sprain. So there wasn't any tears or structural damage or anything like that just hurts like a bitch. Um, and I've not really been able to shoot my bow. I think I mentioned a podcast, uh, a podcast or two ago, I had was able to shoot my bow two different days and that was my, my Hoyt, which, you know, I don't know why I'm pulling this much weight. It doesn't pull very hard, but it's like 72 pounds. Um, and just 
you know, I guess uh, in the future, I'm going to be reducing that just in general. I think just going forward, I don't, there's no need for me to uh, pull that much weight um, and it'll be easier and nicer to my, to my joints, but it is what it is. And that's probably what I'm going to use. I'm going to leave it there for this year because everything's kind of set up. But I certainly am having trouble pulling it now. I can get it back, but it hurts. Um, and so what I did was is I took my my Matthews because uh, I still had my Matthews VXR28 was as my backup bow that I take with me whenever I'm going to Kansas or whatever in case something stupid happens and I drop my bow or break it, you know, and I'm out on a hunt somewhere. It's like at least I have, you know, a backup uh, that can get me through the rest of the hunt. Um, so essentially, you know, what I did with this bow is I, I ended up taking it out to um, – Bob and my buddy uh, AJ's out at Bob and AJ's and just was like, you know, man, I need to change out the mods on this thing and drop my weight as low as I can possibly go. You know, I think PA it's like 35 pounds, you know, and you're still, um, and you're legal if I'm not mistaken, as far as, uh, the draw weight required to, you know, try to harvest a deer, um, or game with a, with a, with a compound bow. So I took it to him and had a 50 pound mod on it. And I think we were able to get it down to like 50, 49 pounds or some, something in that, in that range. And I was like, that's just going to have to do and see if I can get by, you know, with that, you know, at least the early part of the season. So the good news is, is that it's not hundred percent pain free necessarily. Um, but I'm able to get it back comfortably. I can draw and there's no like, you know, hitch in my giddy up, if you will. And so I'm just kind of going on, you know, I have a short draw length, so it's like 26 and a half or 27 inches, depending on which, which bow I'm shooting. And, um, uh, and just in terms of like how they feel like one bow, I, you know, prefer 27 just cause it feels better on any other bow. It's 26 and a half just cause that's, you know, what feels best to me with that particular bow. Um, so the good news is I'm able to shoot and I've been out shooting with the Matthews, you know, with the lighter, lighter poundage and arrows are landing where I want them to land, shot some broadheads, they're landing where I want them to land. And so I just, you know, for me, the early part of the season, you know, is going to have to just be really close quarters. Um, you know, probably, you know, ideally 20 yards and under is what, is what I'm kind of looking for. I'm almost like viewing it as though I'm shooting with a recurve or hunting with a recurve this year. Um, just, you know, I, I have one pin set, uh, for the Matthews and it's basically a, a, a 20 yard pin and I can, I can get out to 25 and I feel good uh, about that. Um, but closer, the better for me. So that's essentially going to be my early season bow at minimum. I'll, I'll start the season with that bow. And then, you know, I have a plan, uh, with an awesome PT group, um, a, a fellow named Artem. Uh, he's also a jujitsu practitioner and, uh, and he's part of this group called next level, um, physical therapy that kind of do, uh, ath- I guess physical therapy for athletes. So they're not just trying to get you pain free. They're trying to get you back to like function and have your body move the way it's supposed to move and, and all that good stuff. So I'll be working with him on a plan for many weeks to not just address the pain, but, uh, address like the dysfunction and the mobility issues that I have, not just in my shoulder, but in my entire left side. And then beyond that, we'll do a couple weeks of um, kind of strength, stamina, conditioning, um, and uh, things of that nature to kind of build a plan that way my body is functional and strong to be able to you know shoot my bow as often as I want to shoot it and do jujitsu and do all the stuff that I'd like to do without compromise. So he's going to help get me uh, back on the right side of things. But the good news is that I felt good about was I, I actually yeah I was there was some concern on my on my side that I was going to have to miss the beginning part of the season. But at least now I have a bow set up that I can get out the beginning part of the season. And the goal is, is to be able to shoot the Hoyt, you know, my normal draw weight and stuff like that, 
um, by the time I leave for Kansas, sometime the end of October, beginning of November. Anytime before that is gravy, but at least by then, it's like I'd like to be able to shoot that bow. So that's the update on this end. Lots of stuff happening. Seasons are opening. I'm seeing people kill stuff in certain areas in Tennessee already and stuff like that. That's awesome. Hopefully, if you're in some of those areas, you're 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 either getting out or you've already filled a tag. And uh, that you know, a lot of the velvet openers are just around the corner. Um, so any of you that are out hunting those. Good luck to you. Hope you uh, hope you get it done. But uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and just jump into today's show. Have a cool show for you guys today. Have my buddy Chris Derrick on from Sitka Gear. Uh, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time around this time of year, I usually have Chris on. Um, you know, usually it's a, a twofer, right? We usually have I usually have Chris on sometime in the early late late summer, early fall, or and or I have him on sometime in the in the spring. And the and reason being is that you know a lot of times that's when Sitka is coming out with like you know, new kit that they're, that they're kind of dropping for the seasons and stuff like that. And I get a nice sneak peek, uh, to some of the kit that they have. And I always like to have Chris come on and kind of explain, you know, the new pieces of kit that they've, that they've built, what's kind of gone into them, why they've developed them and, you know, how they might apply to hunters, um, that listen to this show. And so what they've really come out with recently this year, um, that I'm super stoked on three, three different things. Um, first being their core Merino line. I, love merino wool i do have synthetics and we talk a little bit about synthetic versus merino and you know when it's applicable which which might be better i just prefer merino just in general i do have some synthetic pieces but i just you know overall prefer to use merino wool as as often as i can um and so they have the core merino lineup which is which is killer and some of it's like the next to skin stuff and and um, and things of that nature and it's not itchy it's it's like it's it's awesome and from everything from lightweight to, you know, heavyweight kind of uh, merino, merino layers. Um, and then they also have the intercept kit that they came out with, um, you know, which was really them taking a look at what hunters need in the field to use merino so they can have things that maybe don't acquire smell as much, especially when you're out on longer trips, especially, you know, Western hunts when you might be in the backcountry for days slash weeks on end. And they kind of developed this new, you know, approach to merino wool because one of the challenges i've worn merino as an outer in the past um of some you know different manufacturers and it's not it's you know i like merino wool but this stuff just doesn't hold up like it just it gets torn it gets snagged um and just isn't uh you know historically hasn't been built well for the abuse of an of an outer layer in a many in many many cases at least the experiences that i've had and what Sitka has done is developed an approach to where this stuff is tough to be able to u- be used as an outer layer, outer, outer layer and still have the properties you would look for in a shell, you know, or the, the ruggedness of what you would look for in an outer layer. So you're getting the benefits of all the stuff Merino wool does, but you're also getting it in a construction that um, is bomb proof. And so that's the intercept kit. And I've got to play with some of that. And that's going to, you know, when I go out West again, that's going to be the kit. And my Kansas hunting, you know, that's going to primarily be uh, the kit. And we talk about some of the details there. And then they also have the Stratus, uh, new Stratus kit that came out, which is essentially the Stratus gears. You know it and love it if you use it. You know, you've heard me talk about it. It's my favorite piece of of whitetail kit that I have. Uh, But they put that out now in a subalpine. They had a lot of folks asking for it um, in that uh, who live in areas that maybe don't drop foliage like, you know, it does here in PA where, you know, the, the timber gets bare in that later October, November timeframe. You know, if you live in an area that holds, you know, leaves longer or, or all the way through the season and holds foliage, you know, you probably need something that is maybe a little bit more diverse in terms of, of camo, but you still need the windproof and the things that, that the Stratus kit offers. So 
so they did that. They listened to the consumers and, and gave them what they were looking for. So with that, we'll go ahead and jump into today's show. As always, I want to thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. And today, it's almost like it's uh, turned into a, an annual visit from my good buddy, Mr. Chris Derrick from Sitka Gear. What's going on, man? Oh, uh, just having a good time and enjoying the weather uh, before it gets cold here in Montana. So Yeah, so you're enjoying the weather for a different reason. Uh, we're not enjoying the weather here. It's hot, it's humid, it's nasty. I was, I was jealous. I saw a buddy of mine in Idaho. It was a guy that I elk hunted with last year. He was out on the water. He got a boat recently. Um, and so he was able to get out on the water this morning before work, like putting around or whatever. And he always posts like the, the temperature, like in the morning, whenever he's driving to work. And today it was like 70 degrees or something like that it was like, you know, while he was out on the water, I'm like, dude, you're killing me, man. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like 89 here and like hot and humid and buggy. And I'm just like, I would kill somebody for like a 70 degree day right now to get out into the white toe woods and do something. But, uh, so well, I'm jealous. I need five at my house. So it, oh, uh, is it really? <laughs> yeah. But at least it's dry. It's not the same. Cause I'm from the Eastern United States and there's yeah. 95 here, 95 there, <laughs> two different yeah. 95s. Two so. very different 95s, especially for you, man, because you're from the Carolinas, right? Like, that's some yeah. serious humidity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, swimming through air is what I grew up in. So. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so what have you been up to, man? What's new? You getting uh, you getting excited for elk season? I am. Uh, Antelope uh, opened up yesterday, so I've got my 900. So I'm planning on trying to sneak out and uh, thoroughly frustrate myself chasing those speed goats around and uh, um, trying to get close nice. to them. Uh, it's always... Well, interesting. Uh, when you get the extra two weeks, it's kind of like yeah. sucks you in. You're like, oh, do I want to go 900? And, and it gives you, it opens up most of the state, which is nice. Uh, but you, you fully commit to antelope archery. So. Right. Right. And what, uh, when's that open for you? Uh, it opens on August 15th in Montana. So okay. we'll, we'll have different regions. 900 is basically the opening up the, of the end. It opens up almost every region inside of Montana um, for antelope. And then, you know, a lot of people will hunt like sevens or six or fours, you know, which is more of like a specific area. And those tend to start about three weeks later. And it has, you have, um, you'll do an archery season. It's just not the extended archery season, but then you can switch to rifle uh, later on when October rolls around. And then, then you're able to, um, go after antelope for rifle which okay nice yeah it's on my yeah it's on it's on my list um i've have a i have a strategy like a hunt plan point strategy that i've been building for like the past couple years and i don't know if i'll get to start to draw on it next year if not next year definitely the year after i'll get to start finally drawing on it and for montana i think the two things that i have points kind of accruing for is elk one and then um and then the other one I believe in Montana was antelope that I want to come yeah. out and chase speed goats. Cause again, I want to frustrate myself. I have buddies who go out and hunt it pretty or have hunted it pretty frequently. Yeah. But, uh, it's the, the ground hunting thing has bug has bitten me and I just like to hunt from the ground a lot, you know? And so I just figured it'd be cool to, uh, to do that. And I think where I want to go, um, uh, for elk in Montana is I, I want to try to hunt the brakes, I think is, is where I want to go. Yeah. You and everyone else. Yeah. So uh, that's where right. I'm, that's, <laughs> <laughs> right, so that's what I'm kind of like amassing points for is to try to, to, to do that hunt. That's been like, I don't have a lot of bucket list hunts necessarily, but that's one place I've just watched videos and stuff like that. And I'm just like, man, 
I would just love to get, be able to go hunt that one time. And I don't need to go do that like frequently or whatever the case is, but I was like, I'd like to just go to that part of Montana one time and hunt it. And then, and then, then I'll be good and I'll be willing to go wherever else after that. Yeah. And there's certain areas that are better drop probabilities. I mean, there's certain areas of the break you're, you're talking yeah. like half a percent, um, yeah. you know, so it's very, very, those are the really coveted areas, but there are other areas, uh, uh, that you, yeah. Yeah. And the group that I'm working with to like build my points, it, you know, cause they asked me all those questions and I just said a representative animal of the area, you know what I mean? I was like, I don't need to hunt like the hot, the hardest to get into unit. I just want to be able to hunt a unit that has, you know, decent animals for the area. It doesn't have to be top tier. You know, I was like, but has good odds to where I can actually feasibly go do it. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, that's the important thing for me. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm itching to get back to Montana, man. It's a, uh, Idaho. I didn't, I didn't put in to get anything this year. And and now my buddies are getting ready to go out West. Like I'm kicking myself. Cause I didn't, I didn't even try this year. I, Cause when the tags came around, I was so burnt out from hunting season this past year. I was like, ah, oh, man, I don't think I'm going to go West this year. And then now my buddies are getting ready and I'm like, it, and it's killing me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I got myself in that situation with Iowa. I built up all my points to get one. And then I was like trying to decide where I wanted to go and then got busy with work. And then I was like, ah, oh, and then the next thing is like three days after the tag period draw, you know, uh, it ended. And I just said, oh, man, I missed <laughs> I missed yeah. my chance. So I guess I'll just next year. I won next year. Right. There you go. Next year. Yeah. I'm headed to Kansas this year. Uh, that'll be a two week trip since I'm not going west because, again, like the ground hunting thing has just bug has bitten me. And I'm bound to determine I've had great opportunities the past two years I've been there. And so I'm like, I got to fill that tag before I'm going to go anywhere else. You know, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, I've been so close so many times, you know, in the past two years, I'm just like, I got to get it done before I go anywhere else. Cause not next year, but the year after I should draw Iowa again, you know? And so, yeah. And so you've got uh, your five or we'll have five. Yeah. Yeah. And then my hunt plan for West will kick in then. And the way I've done is I've picked a bunch of different States and a bunch of different species that I'm kind of collecting for. And so once I start to draw, I should draw in a different state for a different species every year after that. And that's just kind of the way I set it up based on like the units I want to get and how many points I'll need and stuff like that. So just the species overall was just mule deer, antelope and, and elk were the only three species that I was, you know, wanting points for, but the States was like Montana, Utah, Wyoming, Colorado from mule deer. And I feel like there was one other. And so I just started collecting points for all those different species in those places. Nice. Yeah. Well, that, that'll, uh, it sounds like you've got it worked out. So yeah, well, the plan was, is like, I'll always know I'm going West every January. I just won't know what state until later. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like, I know my compass will be, what direction my compass will be pointed <laughs> directly. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, like September rule, August, September rolls around, but I won't know exactly when, and I won't know exactly where until, you know, probably sometime in the spring. Yeah. Well, that's, it's a good strategy and there's so yeah. much fun out here. So yeah, exactly. Well, cool, man. Um, let's just get to it, man. You guys, you've been, you've been a busy bee, man. I've been watching some of the videos you guys have put out. You guys have had a bunch of new, new gear that has, that has launched. Uh, I've got a chance to put my hands on some of it that's, that's laying here next to me that I got to play with a little bit. Um, and I want to jump into like the first thing, because, you know, I think a lot of times when we start talking about kits, you know, people, a lot of times jump straight to like their outerwear and stuff like that. Right. And like you and I have talked about this, not just on the show, but like even just like offline about, you know, the base layer and, and that foundation kind of being like the primary, like if that isn't right, doesn't matter what else you kind of put on top of that. You're going to have like a, 
you're going to have a struggle or you could have some problems, mm-hmm. right? And so you guys recently came out with the the core uh, the core Merino collection, right? And so I guess tell me a little bit first about like the significance of you guys adding that to the lineup, and then I want to dive into like the the Merino versus synthetic kind of like aspect of things. Yeah, and and like you said, you know, base layer is just critical. It's like I it's the foundation of your house, right? Everything you build on mid layers which would be like the walls and then your roof and then your siding would be like your outerwear. But if you don't build your foundation, which is your base layers the right way, it's basically like building your house on sand. You, you know, you hear that. And so everything won't work as well. Uh, and over time or depending on the situation, especially with the moisture, you know, things will sink and, you know, that's why, that's why building a good foundation. So setting a base layer foundation, is is critical to making anything else that you uh put on the outside of you work better um and so we were really focusing you know sika was known for having great great uh synthetic base layers you know that was one of the things especially with mountain-based hunting uh where the brand got its start you know the synthetic base layers that that we had but I, i do think that our marina program uh we could have done more to be able to build on that so you know, we, we, we were asking people what they're looking for. And, and, and one of the things was a broader program. So now we have, you know, a program that runs all the way 120, 220 and 330 weights. So you can fine tune if you want an ultra lightweight Merino or more of a midweight and a heavyweight. And then we've expanded the number of product forms. So now we even have uh, like in the lightweight 120 gram, you know, a, a very similar to a core lightweight hoodie synthetic feet but now that's available in the merino and then uh a 330 weight uh hoodie with a face mask uh that would be very similar to maybe our heavyweight hoodie or fanatic hoodie but that's now available in a uh a merino silhouette uh with hand pockets uh as well like a little muff hand pocket and uh so put a lot of focus in on building out that program and uh, i was fortunate enough to be uh part of of leading that uh development that's awesome man so when we start talking about because i know you mentioned you know got its start or sitka cut its teeth in in the you know the the mountain kind of synthetic kind of base layers right and so talk to me i guess just a little bit about like what the advantage of merino provide provides a you know a user um in in terms of that versus a synthetic as as a base layer I mean, usually what you're going to hear people talking about, like from a Merino standpoint, is you're going to hear about odor resistance. So uh, a a lot a lot of times when you're wearing Merino, it typically doesn't build up a smell as bad as like a synthetic, Uh, no matter what you do with a synthetic, how well you treat it with like polygene or antimicrobial treatments. um, At some point, you start to overwhelm the system and then also textiles in general tend to hold that organic material, which is essentially what you're reigniting. Like if you don't use uh, uh, an antimicrobial treatment with a synthetic, even if you wash it, you know, sometimes there'll be, mat- there'll be material left in there, which will then make that smell quicker. Um, mm-hmm. And so Merino just has some great properties uh, to, to resist odor. So, you know, three days into a backcountry hunt or from a whitetail situation, you know, you, you have uh, way less opportunity of, of smelling like a goat. Now I always say that with like <laughs> odor resistance, right. um, 
you know, there's a difference between like an odor capture and odor resistance. You know, it's just reducing your scent profile. Um, people shouldn't, I don't believe, assume that you can wear merino and be downwind, you know, or upwind of a deer and expect from them not. Right. That's right. Not right. Quality. Yeah, that's a good point. Because, like, I know for me, you know, um, merino became a lot more important to me whenever I started like doing a lot of travel hunting and for the exact reason that you were saying, right. It's like, I might be gone a week to two weeks, whatever the case is and not have the ability to wash my clothes essentially. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's where it became, you know, where I became like more, more focused on it. I think the other part too, that I kind of noticed when I started using more Merino was just how, um, like almost like how much, I don't know if this makes sense at all, but like how much I felt drier for some reason, you know what I mean? Like I didn't, like, cause you know how sometimes like you'll, it's really cold out and you kind of get layered up and stuff like that. And, and then when you're walking to a, you know, a stand or to your tree, or if you're out West and you're hunting, you got to do a little bit, bit of stocking or whatever. It's like that little bit of movement. Like you, you get a little bit of perspiration potentially. Right. And it's like, and it's like, I always felt like at times, like I just could never get rid of that. And I started using more Merino stuff. And then it's like, all of a sudden, like I wasn't getting that like clammy, cool kind of feeling, even though I've got like plenty of clothes on, I was still getting that kind of like clammy, cool chill. Right. And like, I feel like Merino helped me kind of with that aspect of it. Yeah. And John and I, my counterpart at, in, in the office, we've talked a little bit about this. He's talked about like sometimes synthetics um, ha dry so quickly that sometimes they give a cooling effect, mm -hmm. uh, which makes maybe you get like a, a, a momentary chill I found like one of the things that also with like Merino, just because it's lightweight doesn't mean you can't warm, wear it in warm weather. I actually like to wear Merino in warm weather because it has, it tends to like regulate itself pretty mm -hmm. well. But then even like, for example, I was in Alberta this past year or last year hunting and just putting a lightweight Merino face mask over when it was negative 15 degrees you know i didn't get the raw face uh my face stayed really really warm so there there's some great properties about merino that uh that it has some advantages with that I, i'm not going to say like there's certain things synthetic and merino they both have pros and cons right. uh, but the one thing we were talking about like with, when it comes to synthetic or merino these days with the technology, you can't really go wrong. It's more right. about user choice. And so if you want to lean more towards the odor properties or the warm and wet properties that sometimes Merino provides, maybe lean that way. Um, or if you, you know, are you going to do a super aerobic hunt where you're moving a lot, perhaps, and maybe they're day hunts. Synthetic may be what you want to use for those, but neither you're not going to get in a situation nowadays right. where they're not going to um, work in either situation. So a lot of people fret over that, but I think it's more or less, you know, user's preference these days uh, with, the, with what we've done. Right. Yeah. I'll raise my hand for the user fret because that's what I... <laughs> analysis paralysis by analysis that is that is me to a t whenever i'm looking at gear you know what i mean and uh and i've tried a lot of both you know i've tried both you know whether it was merino based layers or synthetics or whatever and i've just found for me personally you know then this is just a personal preference because i've used both and i've been happy with both but i've just kind of found for me i've always just 
felt better in Merino, like for whatever reason, like it's just more comfortable. It feels a little better to me. And that has nothing to do with whether or not it is in fact any better or not. Right. It just it more has to do with like, that's how I like it to, to, to feel personally. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. Different body types have a, a feeling like sensitivity to Merino. I I'm one. And one of the reason we use such a high micron, um, or, or, or such a, you know, a low micron, I guess it would be, uh, Merino is the fact that, uh, you know, which is about 17 microns that prevents the itchiness. So, mm -hmm. uh, if I wear a coarser Merino, what I'll tend to, I'll get itchy. I, I don't like it. My skin doesn't like it, but this feels just as good. If not even better to me than synthetic does against my skin, just cause it, it feels a little bit more supple and the, that's one of the things that I, I believe Merino brings, brings to the table. You you can now get into the realm of comfort. Uh, and, and in many cases, like you're talking about, a lot of people prefer Merino just because of the way it feels against your body. Um, and then, you know, the lightweight that we have, when you pick it up, it's super light. Like, it's going to feel... Oh, man, it, weigh, it, 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 it weighs like, it weighs nothing. I have one laying here. I'm going to grab. Yeah, this is the this is the this is the 120 that I have here. And this thing is so thin and lightweight. Like when you put it on, and people probably aren't gonna really be able to see it in the video, but it's like take like I equate this to like take your favorite t-shirt that you've had for like a hundred years that that the t-shirt looks like it's cheesecloth. That's how soft this thing is. You know what I mean? Like, that's how it feels. I mean, it's, it's obviously the construction is way, way better because it's not a hundred years old. Right. But like, that's how soft and comfortable it feels like. And I love hunting and like, especially when you were saying early season, like I love lightweight Merino stuff for early season. It's like absolutely like my favorite pieces to wear whenever it's super hot out. Yeah. That's, that's one of my pieces to wear on our elk hunts here or even antelope uh, hunts here uh, because it does breathe so well. And one of the things too with with that a lot in that case you're going to be wearing it as outerwear in the early season and then late season you're going to be wearing it still as your base layer. So yes. it's one of one of the the changes in people. We I went out and did some surveys and basically asked people what were you what is merino missing for you? And besides the options uh, that we're having in more product forms, the number two thing they were asking for was enhanced durability. And that's why we developed the armor spun uh, merino. So if you look, if you think about it, imagine like a thread of of yarn, just like mm -hmm. a thread, and the core of that is merino, and then wrap almost like a slinky around that is a nylon uh, mm -hmm. strand or a couple of nylon strands. And when you think about that, the nylon acts as like something from an abrasion resistance. So when you put on a Martindale abrasion resistance machine uh, and the number of revolutions you're, you're measuring to see when fuzzing or peeling. So the different fuzzing is when you see it looks fuzzy. Peeling right. is when you see the little balls of textile. So the mm -hmm. problem with peeling is you're actually losing textile. It's mm -hmm. not, so fuzzing is cosmetic. Mm -hmm. Pilling is actually you're rolling up textile and then you're going to lose that textile. It's basically balled up. Right. And so that's what we were uh, trying to improve with the armor spun. And at the lightweight level, that's where you see the greatest gains because lightweights are historically very bad about losing 
like becoming destroyed very, very quickly. And so, uh, we, you know, we saw uh, improvements with embrasion uh, resistance uh, and, and they were most significant at the lightweight level. Right. Um, so that's one thing construction with that 120 gram. Nice. And I like what you said, because like, that's exactly how I use garments like this that are like in that 120 range. It's like, it'll be my outer wet. Cause I open here in PA, like the 16th of September this year. So it'll still be warm. It'll be in the eighties, you know, whenever I'm walking out to a tree, like for an afternoon hunt or for an evening hunt, um, or at minimum like high seventies. And so this will absolutely be my outer layer. And then whenever it switches to fall and I start to layer up a little bit, it'll be my base layer. Right. And then as it gets a little colder, then it's like, I might put another, I might change this out then. And it, I might go to like a two twenty. So that's one of the things when I started using Merino holistically, uh, you know, across the board and I didn't make, I still use some synthetic base layers, just depends, but primarily I'm using like all, all Merino. That was the biggest thing that I had to try to like figure out. Cause like I understood historically, like when it was like a, a heavyweight bottom or a midweight bottom or a lightweight bottom, like I got that, like the three tiers. And I kind of knew in my mind, like what temperatures I could get away with as a base layer for those. Right. When I got into Merino, I understood like the 120 is the light, the 220 is the middle, the 330, or is it 330? 330. 330 is the heavy. But I didn't quite understand like what was my temperature ranges kind of for, for those. And it took a little bit of trial and error of me just wearing the stuff to figure it out. But do you have any guidance for someone who's listening that's like, yeah, I want to get into Merino, but when I see like the different weights and like the numbers, like I'm not sure what like what temperature ranges I should be thinking about. Yeah, and I would I would say so. First of all, with lightweight, you can wear that all season. So a lot yeah. of people think, hey, late season, I don't wear the lightweight anymore, but you just might have to stack more on top of it. But you can still use it as your base layer all season. So I consider the one twenty the most versatile. Mm -hmm. But if you're gonna start, say maybe you already you're not gonna you you don't want to wear as many layers, or maybe you're gonna start wearing a merino, or most of your hunts are gonna start when it's mid season then the 220 or the 330 weight may be a better choice for you because you don't need it for the early season conditions. And, and overall, it's it. so when I go later into the season, 330 is my favorite just because mm -hmm. it's built in with a 330 gram merino, but then there's a poly or a synthetic uh, interior. So it's knitted in a way that the 330 winds up on the exterior it sort of loves the moisture. The synthetic is nearest your skin. It hates the moisture. It's gonna pump that through or move it through your system and away from your skin. So you talked about the clamminess. A lot of times when I wear heavyweight merinos directly against my skin, I, I tend to feel clammy. Mm -hmm. um, and okay. that prevents the clamminess because it's like you're wearing a synthetic lightweight base layer against your skin with a heavyweight merino but they're just double knit on top of each other so the 120 is the lightweight the 220 is the 120 double knit and then the 330 is really just the a synthetic double knit with a really heavyweight merino on the outside so the constructions are all very very similar just the textile packages and how they come together are a little bit different right it almost sounds like if like if I were a guy who had a long hike in and I was going to use a base layer, it's like I would almost opt for the 330 just because I'm probably going to sweat a little bit. And to your point, it's like that synthetic is going to move that away from my skin, get it out to that outer layer where the merino wants it, you know, and help me with that. Maybe that perspiration that I'm having as I'm getting to the tree or whatever the case is, right? 
Yeah, especially during the cold weather hunts, because I always commute with yeah. as light a material as possible on my right. Body. Yeah, I, and I usually do too. But you know, you know, there's well, I know guys that like they they put all their stuff on and I'm going. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I'm not putting <laughs> anything in my pack and just go to just go to wear it. <laughs> and uh, I'll be honest, I've been guilty of that. Where I'm like, man, I ain't changing when I get to the tree. I'll just wear all this stuff in. You know, I've done. Yeah, I've done this is short walk. I'll definitely yeah. do that, but. Uh, Pennsylvania, uh, folks, if you're not, if you're, especially if you're hunting public land, yeah, you're the the crew over there moves a lot. Yeah. Yeah. We move, we move, uh, we move quite a bit, man. But, uh, so I want to transition now to, I want to talk about the, the intercept hoodie in the, in the pant now. So, and I have both of those sitting here, so I'll pull them up. But like, before we jump into them, I guess, give us, just give us an introduction of the the hoodie and the pant, like where it kind of came from, what it, you know, what manifested this, uh, these two new garments. Yeah. So the intercept is really an upgrade to the old apex system. Um, so the, uh, the hoodie is essentially going to be your 220 gram Merino, uh, but it's going to have some additional features. So it's going to have some elbow pads. Uh, it has a built-in face mask, which is actually made from Merino so uh, that does make a big difference uh, three days in and uh, seven cups of coffee in. Um, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's way better. It's a mesh. It is a special mesh merino that we specifically developed um, with a drop needle construction so that it can uh, breathe exceptionally well. Um, so that, that is the, uh, the and, and this is really d- developed around silent stocking. Um, you know, the Intercept family is all about moving towards, like you said, from the ground-based hunting. That's what it's built and built to do that silently, uh, reasonably lightweight. Um, so the hoodie is that portion of it. The pant is actually my favorite upgrade uh, of the two products that we're talking about there because the old Apex pant, I felt typically uh, didn't meet durability requirements. I felt perfectly and the new one um, has a nylon face that's extremely abrasion resistant. But then we added a merino, or John, I should say, this is a product he worked on, uh, had a has a merino raised grid uh, backer. So towards your skin is merino. It's a raised grid, promotes airflow, gives some great odor resistance properties built into the merino. But when you put that on the Martindale abrasion resistance machine, like 50,000 resolutions still going strong. Like they just, right. it, the, and the old one maybe in the 20 to 30 range. So the, the amount of abrasion resistance increase in the intercept pant is significant over the old apex pant. Um, so a lot of times noise features is, is really what they were focused on. And so trying to get a quiet textile that was also acceptably durable because typically you right. give up durability to get silence. Uh, right. Usually those two are, if you give up, if you want something more silent, you're usually going to give up some durability. Right. Yeah. I was, man, when you guys dropped this, like I, I was stoked because I was like, this is exactly what I was looking for, for like hunting places like Kansas or when I get back out to Idaho or Montana or whatever the case is. And, um, the, the a couple of things that you mentioned that I really dig was like, you know, so I, of course put everything on whenever I got and just kind of like my wife thought it was nuts. I was rolling around on the floor, like using the, the elbow pads and the knee pads, checking it out. 
But it's cool because like the elbow pads are already kind of positioned and they're positioned in a way they're not like bulk. They're not bulky at all. You know what I mean? Like they're actually, like people can kind of see it's like, they're actually pretty, pretty thin, but they're positioned at right at the right spot to where there's not like a ton of overhang that you're having to kind of deal with. Right. Cause like I got on the ground and was like army crawling across my floor and it's like, you know, they just kind of land right at the right spot where they're supposed to land. Like there's not like a bunch of like uh slop in them, I guess is, is, is one way to say it. Right. Like they're, they're, they're not super tight but they just always kind of manage to find themselves in the right spot whenever you're, when you're on your elbows. So I was stoked. I was stoked about that. And it's pretty easy to take them out too, right? It is. And you know, I typically take mine out when I wash them. The knee pads Mm -hmm. too are a lot easier now too. And there's a side venting zip. So you can actually vent the pants now and then reach in and pull the knee pads out if you want to from the sides. Uh, Another thing is the knee pads are actually constructed from D3O so that's the same impact foam uh, that is used in NFL helmets, for example. Oh, nice. uh, so they're the company that's really focused on creating significant impact resistance improvements. And that's why with all the concussion protocols that's gone on with the NFL, D3O has really uh, done a lot to do that. And so the, the knee pads are built out of uh, D3O material. Yeah, because I noticed they were actually thinner than the ones that like that historically came in like the mountain pant, you know, mm-hmm. the, those, those were just a little bit thinner. I mean, they weren't cumbersomely thick or anything like that, but I just noticed that these ones were actually different in, you know, and thinner, you know, essentially yeah. smaller, smaller profile. Um, yeah, the pant, I'm super stoked on the pant. Um, one, because the knee pads are kind of building and easy to take out. If you know, guys that are listening to this, if you hunt in a warm climate, you know, or you want a pant that kind of can get you into like, early to like, I would say even like early to mid fall, I would wear these pants. Like, I think that they're warm enough that if with, a, with the right base layer underneath those and you saddle hunt and you don't want to take a knee, knee pads with you, or you don't want to carry like a pad with you on the tree. Like you don't have to like these, ha- you know, these are built in and they're not cumbersome to walk in. Like the, it's like the knee pads don't like flop around on you and stuff like that. They're actually very kind of comfortable to, to move in. And I dig the flaps. Cause that was the one thing last year when I was in Idaho, it was, um, we had like 90 degree temps, like almost every day that I was there. I picked like a really bad week <laughs> to go. It was brutally hot. And I was, I was like, so one of the guys I was hunting with, he had a pair of pants that had side vents and I was looking at him in, in envy because he had, he had vents, you know? And so whenever I saw these ones come out, I was like, oh man, I was like, this is perfect. Like early season, even early season, whitetail in warm States, you know, if you're going out to an opener out West, or even if, you know, you open like me in mid September in PA you know, you get up into your tree or whatever, man, open up your vents, air out a little bit, like, you know, just adds a little bit of AC <laughs> to mm-hmm. the, to the hunt, you know, or our, or your, your brothers in the South could certainly benefit from, from something like this. Yeah, it, de- it definitely helps with that. Um, and it all depends, you know, if you, if you're in a tick area, you know, we talked about, about this with Equinox yeah. Guard, maybe yep. that would be a better fit for you, you know, mm-hmm. so from, and it's it's going to be a lighter pant. So it really just depends on what you're looking for because there's not going to be one product that does everything. A lot of people ask, like, I want, give me the one thing that's going to start me from early season and get me in the late season that's and <laughs> protect me from bugs, but then stop water and is it right. waterproof and it's quiet. The, in reality, that doesn't um, exist, mm-hmm. but uh, you can fine tune based off your needs uh, and, and there's usually a product that's going to fit. And I, I, I tend to look at 
you know, you may have a really special hunt that you want to focus in on getting a new apparel system. But if, if you're not the case, then maybe buy uh, your apparel system based off where the 80% of your hunts are going to be. And that that's a great starting point for people to be able to get where they need to get. Um, and then if you've got, like you said, maybe I got this once in a lifetime moose opportunity or I get that special elk break straw, then, you know, then you're going to want a system for that. Or if you are going out west every single year, then it makes sense to invest in, in a, uh, a system for that. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. And that's certainly how I've built mine over time. Like my, like my total kit, you know, cause you know, at first I was primarily hunting, whether I was in Ohio, whether I was in Iowa or whether I was in, you know, Pennsylvania, you know, I was primarily hunting out of a, out of a saddle, out of a tree, you know, hunting timber. Right. And then I, I did like, you know, a Western hunt. And then, but once I started headed to like the West more frequently and Kansas became more of like an annual type of thing where like ground hunting and, and spotting and stalking became like 50% of how I was going to hunt. But because if I break my hunts down in a year, I probably hunt just as much in Kansas as far as days go as I do in, in Pennsylvania, just based on time off and, and stuff like that. And so my, so over time, it's like, I built a, like a spot and stock, like ground hunting kit as well. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? To where it's like knee pads, and I'm traveling. So a lot of it's Merino wool because I don't, I can't wash my clothes. So if it does get dirty, you know, I don't need to necessarily wash it. And so to your point, it's like, you don't need to build it all at once. It's like, wherever you're, like you said, the majority of your hunts take place, like focus on building that kit. And then as you start to branch out, it's really easy to kind of build on the pieces. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about, you know, the, um, the technical apparel, like you guys make is that like, you can totally build systems. Like you have systems curated for people who just need something. It's like, I need you to help me understand what I need. And then they also work really well together whenever you start picking your own pieces based on what you want in what you need and start to piece your own systems together. I think that's like one of the beauties of, of the technical gear you guys build. Yeah, it definitely allows users to fine tune if they need to um, for their use cases. And that's important. Um, yeah, you know, little tweaks can make a big difference for sure. And then one of the unsung heroes of, of these pants that I was super stoked on is actually, and people are going to probably think I'm an idiot that are listening to this is actually the phone pocket in your, <laughs> like, and I'm not going to lie. Cause I put them on. That was the first thing I checked out. I didn't even open the flaps. I put them on and I was like, let me check out that phone pocket. Cause I was <laughs> like, you know, I wonder, cause, cause in my mind, it's like, I always have a hard time getting my phone out of my, out of my pocket. Right. Two things happen. You know, I either. I usually always try to put it in my cargo pocket because it has more room and you guys have silent snaps. And so it's always quiet whenever I get in and out to get my phone. Um, and, but the thing is, is it flops around while it's in, in my pocket. Right. And then two, whenever I try to get it out with one hand, I'm digging all the way down to my knee, right. Making a lot of movement and it, and, and it never fails. It gets stuck sideways as I'm trying to pull it out. You know, yeah, it makes a big just, difference too. I, I know you've had this happen. You put something in a cargo pocket and then you maybe put a pair of gloves or a beanie in there, go to pull your phone out and guess what you dumped back there that you didn't realize you dumped was your gloves. And then oh, man, I've lost so many pairs of gloves because of that, <laughs> that exact thing. Exact. It, nothing makes you angry. And you're like, I am not going back two miles to get a pair of gloves. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But the nice thing was, is like, I checked it. I checked the pocket out, man. And it's like, your phone slides in perfectly. It comes out easily. Like, Cause in my mind I was like, 
okay, I know this is supposed to solve a problem, but I was like, I just can't imagine it's going to be that easy to put my phone in and put it and pull it out because I've never had it be easy. And yeah. I was like, how can this smaller pocket be easier? But it is because it's lined up like perfect, like where you just, it slides right in and it slides right out. So kudos to you guys solving like one of my biggest gripes is getting my phone <laughs> out of my pocket. <laughs> like <laughs> warmth and moisture wicking be damned, but like get my phone out of my pocket. Like I'm, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> the little uh, thing. it is the little thing so is there anything else with the uh, the intercept kit that we haven't covered that we that we need to touch on or do you think we kind of covered that to to the full extent i th- i think that pretty well covered the high level pieces of it but uh it's a great if you want a um a uh a silent stocking system and and the merino properties it, it balances uh all of that out really really well it is one of my favorite pieces to wear um, right Cool. And then I know you guys, you know, you're always in the lab, as I like to say, Chris is always in the lab tweaking things and coming up with some new stuff, working on stuff whenever it comes to um, the whitetail gear. And I know you guys have some new Stratus stuff uh, that's coming. Actually, I think it, I think yesterday, as we're recording this, I think it was like yesterday or two days ago that it actually hit the, hit the site or I got the email about it. But uh, before you talk about like what the update is, like for me, you know, I've always kind of talked to like, anytime someone asks me about, you know, my kit and what I'm wearing, if they ask me like, what are the two pieces or three pieces I should get or whatever? I, I always tell them I've worn the same pair of Stratus pants for like going on six, maybe seven years now at this point. And it's still the same pants that I've been wearing for that many seasons. And they still work. There's no holes in them. They're like, they don't look brand new. You know what I mean? Because they've been, they've been abused, but like, there's nothing nothing wrong with them where it's like, it'll be the pants that I wear again, again this year. And I start wearing those usually like mid October, like when I need something to cut the wind, that's what I move to. And then I always tell them like either the Stratus jacket or Stratus vest. I was like, I've hunted full seasons where I never used a jacket where I only used the Stratus vest and like base layers, you know, and, um, some of the, um, I forget what it was called last year, the puffy stuff that came out last year, like the really thin, uh, puffy oh, the stuff. yeah, the ambient kit like using that underneath of it, like has gotten me all the way through, through late season. And so to me, Stratus for me has been like the workhorse of my kit. And like, it's just some of the pieces that are like, they're absolutely my favorite as far as like the things that you guys have, have, have put out. I know you guys have a, a slight update to that Stratus kit. So what's, uh, what's, what's shaking with that? Uh, yeah. So like you talked about Stratus is, is all about vent, versatile wind stopper protection. So as the weather cools, Basically, you can start to throw that on, get some reasonably quiet uh, protection from wind, and that's where the Stratus shines. And then as the season progresses, you can add ambient or you can add those heavyweight merino layers under that, and you can extend your season very, very deep. So that's one of, I would say Stratus is one of the most popular pieces we have for like building a kit, you know, base layer, adding layers of insulation in between, and then the wind stopper, quiet fleece exterior. Um, and so that's where Stratus shines. It allows you to really flex with the system, as I say, or flex with the season or even within a single hunt uh, as temperature swing. Um, but especially for Southern environments uh, that we noticed, a lot of people uh, were using subalpine. And so people were asking uh, essentially to use uh, Stratus uh, and have some of the whitetail kit available in subalpine. So you're going to see things like the tool bucket pack, uh, the Fanatic hoodie, the tool belt, and then the Stratus and a couple of other products uh, that are all coming out and available in Subalpine. 
um, for people that maybe uh, felt like they needed uh, something with uh, the trees going on uh, and preferred to have subalpine uh, while vegetation is still on the trees. So that that's uh, uh, essentially what you know people are essentially asking for that. So uh, we we've, we've pulled that out, and now you can get all of those items uh, as of this week uh, in uh, subalpine as well. Yeah, it's a. Uh... That's one of the nice things, man, is like, you know, it does so well in foliaged areas, you know, like I, I use that. That's like my go-to turkey kit, you know, isn't the, isn't the stratus necessarily, but it's that subalpine pattern is kind of my, is my go-to turkey kit, you know, especially here in Eastern PA where you have green up happening and, and things of like that. And even during the early season, like, you know, I'll wear it. And a lot of times I'm wearing that guard kit just because of the ticks and stuff like that. And it works, you know, great for me for, you know, an early season, um, early season whitetail kit. So I can imagine the folks in the South, you know, when they, when, when the, the wind starts ripping a little bit, temps, you know, people don't get fooled. It, like it does get chilly in the South. I'm not going to go as far as to say it gets cold, you know, it's like as a Northerner, <laughs> but you know, you do get some cold days, even living in Orlando, you would get some like 40 highs, like in the 40 degree days and stuff like that, like out of nowhere. And so. Cold is relative because I, yeah. you know, I've got some friends in Florida and it's 50 and they've got a puffy on and yeah, yeah. but it, and I've even noticed the shift in myself because I used to live, like you said, in the deep South and mm-hmm. my blood was thin. And now I've lived in Montana for coming on seven years. It, I'm my blood's thickened significantly. And <laughs> it's uh, either that or you're going to die, right? <laughs> my cold nature is different. So it's funny when I go back and visit my buddy, Mike down in Florida or Chad or some of the other people or even my family, like, my parents, when they come out here, it looks like they look like, I mean, they've all got puffy jackets on and, yeah. you know, my kids are running around jumping in the water with shorts and, uh, yeah. you know, getting, <laughs> you know, they don't care. I, yeah. When I lived in, uh, when I lived in Orlando, um, I remember like the first year or two we lived there, like I wore shorts and like, like a tank top 12 months out of the year. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was like, if it wasn't any colder than like, you know, in the low sixties, like I had a pair of shorts on, there's just all there was to it, you know? Yep. And like, you know, all my friends would have like pants on like, they, and then also they can't wait to get like a jacket. They're like, man, I can put on like a jacket today. You know, it's like, and I was like, what? I got a tank top on. <laughs> dude. You know what I mean? It's like, this is warm, man. It's like, let's go, let's crank up the barbecue, go do some swimming, you know? But, uh, awesome, man. But yeah, I mean, just to kind of wrap that, that part up, man. Um, you know, for anyone listening, you know, the Stratus kit is like, you know, is the work, is the work, work horse. If you are a, a Northerner, a Midwesterner, you know, Pennsylvania guy, you know, and you're looking for outer layers that can kind of, you know, you know, like you were talking about before that 80%, right. Maximize that 80%. Like to me, that was like the kit that I always kind of told people like you, you'll get the most out of that kit just because of how long you can wear it and, and you can you can either shorten or lengthen the time frame in which you wear it based on like the, the layers, base layers, et cetera, that you, that you stack onto it or you take off of it essentially. Um, so it's been a, it's been a lifesaver for me, man. Even, even, uh, even in like Kansas and stuff like that, man, like, you know, be surprised how often I end up wearing like my Stratus kit, you know, even though it's not, I'm not in a tree, I'm on the ground because it's like, I've got 30 mile per hour winds like that I'm dealing with, you know, on a day-to-day basis, you know? And so the, you know, and that's the kit I use whenever I have to cut wind and it's quiet still like, that's it. Yeah. And it, it makes a big difference. I mean, just, just stopping that convective 
heat loss is a big, big deal, you know. Um, so that's just when the wind's essentially taking heat away and uh, uh, essentially, you know, that, that alone uh, can make a big difference. So it's truly windproof. Uh, and that's, yeah. you know, one of the things, that, you know, very, very bre- decently breathable and, uh, mm-hmm. um, and stops wind. That, yeah. That'll make all the difference in comfort. So Yeah, 100%. And for what it does, like how, how light it still is, that's the other mm-hmm. thing too. It's not bulky, you know, it's not super heavy. Um, but it will be as warm as things that are twice the bulk and twice the weight, you know, it's kind of what my experience has been, but awesome, man. Was well, there anything else that you have? Like, is there any, anything else you care to share, uh, on, on the gear front? I know you're always in the lab kind of cooking stuff up. You're always secretive with me. I always know there's things turning in your, in your mind, but, uh, I got know. a pile of new stuff right here, but I'm not talking about it yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Fair right enough. here. If you, if right. you can see right there, it's right there. Right. Right. Yep. Awesome. I guess you'll keep me, uh, you'll keep me waiting and, uh, and I'll have to be patient until next year, probably this time, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll be able to talk to you in the spring. All right. So. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, Hey brother, before I let you get going, let people know where they can find out more, you know, where they could get, you know, tips or, or, un, you know, get a sense of like when things are starting to drop, I'm assuming just you go to sitkagear.com, sign up for the mailing list and stuff like that. So they know when new gear's releasing. Yeah. Uh, sickgear.com, like you said, follow the social media. They'll, they'll, they'll be dropping stuff there. Um, you know, there's a good system builder. So if you're like, I don't know where to start, uh, you can, it will give you a good basic kit that'll probably serve you well. So if you go on to sickgear.com and, and, and just use the system builder, if you don't know where to start, that's going to be able to get you at least in the right place. And then the last thing I would say is feel free to call customer service. Um, I always say this, like I've worked at a lot of different companies and, and sometimes you work at customer service or you see customer service and they don't really participate in activity. The people that work in our customer service department actually hunt. They're all hunters. They all know what they're talking about. They can help if you, if you're just stuck or you just need additional guidance, they love to talk hunting. Um, and that's one of the great things about our customer service team. Um, they're exceptional. Awesome. And if anyone's listening, you know, you can feel free to hit me up. If you have questions, I can give you my experience. And, uh, my buddies make fun of me because they say I have pretty much every piece of kit that (laughs) Sitka has ever made. And they're probably not far from it. Like I have a closet that's just like exploding. So, you know, feel free to DM me or whatever. If I can help you answer any questions, I certainly will. But, uh, Chris, buddy, I appreciate you coming on, man. I always look forward to talking to you. It means the season's always right around the corner when we chat, or there's a, a season about to start when we chat. Uh, and so I'll look forward to talking to you in the spring and getting a peek at what's behind the camera here. Sounds good. Thank you so much. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there as well. I'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. And before I shut this thing down, we need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, and Genesee Beer. And until next time, we'll see y'all.
All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace microdosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.